There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. What's going on, everyone? It's Friday, February 17th. I'm Zachary Crockett here with Jacob Cohen. And you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about dinosaurs. Not just any dinosaur, though. We're talking about Barney. Jacob's going to take a look back at the Purple Creatures lucrative children's media franchise and why it's making a return. But first, let's take a look at what else is going on in business and tech today. JC, what you got your eye on today? Yeah, so Zach, do you remember HQ by any chance? I do indeed. Mm, Well, that's good because... uh, For those who don't, it was a live stream daily trivia tournament app Mm -hmm. where the winners basically split a pot of money. It went viral for a while. Then it kind of just went away. Like Barney. (laughs) Exactly like Barney. I think after people realized they could only win like at most 10 cents or something like that. But (laughs) anyways, TikTok is giving the trivia thing a try. They're going to be doing basically bringing HQ back from the dead with their own version of it. There's $500,000 up for grabs across five rounds starting next week. Also interesting, TikTok also discreetly launched in-app shopping in the U.S. with a couple brands. And I think there's a connection here. Uh, I think they're trying to almost loosen up everyone to the idea of live streams before they start debuting live stream shopping Hmm. in the U.S. for a wide release. Interesting. Okay. What else you got? Yeah, also, uh, after several users reported that Bing had insulted or lied to them, Microsoft announced it's very much still working on the AI bot's tone Mm -hmm. and that it can get confused when you ask it 15 or more questions. Google also reportedly sent an email to employees with instructions on how to help internally fix their own bad responses from their own barred AI using a neutral tone without implying emotion. Hmm. So some interesting developments there. And lastly, uh, I thought this was interesting. Paramount Plus and its mountain of entertainment now have 56 million subscribers, up 9.9 million from Q3. Its basic tier will now increase from $4.99 499 to 599. Well, it's premium tier with Showtime will bump from 999 to 1199. Yikes. Two bucks more a month. Exactly. So what are you looking at? All right. We got some big news at YouTube. Uh, Susan Wojcicki is stepping down. She's been at the helm of YouTube for nine years. Wow. She's kind of a Silicon Valley legend. She was one of the few women to lead a huge tech company. She was also the 16th employee at Google. Oh and, my God. Um, you know, all the way back in 1998, she it was actually the one who rented out her garage just to Larry Page and Sergey Brin. That's cool. <laughs> when they founded Google. That's a cool fun fact. It is. So she's going to be stepping down to focus on family and other personal projects, and she's going to be replaced by YouTube's chief product officer, Neil Mohan. 
Very good. Um, other news, Wall Street Bets founder Jamie Rogozinski is suing Reddit. He's claiming that the platform wrongfully terminated him as a forum moderator after he wrote a book about it. And Reddit basically gave him the boot because mods are not allowed to monetize the communities they run. Mm -hmm. But Rogozinski says that he helped grow the WSB community into sort of a majorly successful entity for Reddit, got them a ton of PR and press, and he deserves a cut of the action for that. Reddit says this suit is complete baloney, so we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> we will see. And uh, last thing I got my eye on here is Starbucks is planning to open more than 400 stores in the Asia-Pacific region in 2023. Um, over there, revenue at Starbucks has increased 20% year over year, so it's a promising market for them. And this is also their biggest expansion in five years. Wow, look at that. Look at that. All right, but that is not the biggest news this week. The biggest news <laughs> is that Barney is coming back. <laughs> if you were a 90s kid, you know, it was all Barney all the time. This, uh, you know, purple anthropomorphic T-Rex, not a cartoon, an actual dude in a costume playing <laughs> a dinosaur. Barney is owned by Mattel now, the big toy giant. And Mattel says that it's going to relaunch Barney, not just for TV, but for film, YouTube, merchandise, the whole works. And uh, Jacob, I want to start off by asking you about the origins of Barney. Like before we get into why it's, he's coming back, take us back to the very beginning. Where did this character come from? Yeah, so uh, Barney goes all the way back to around 1988. It was created, or the concept was created by this marketer, part marketer, part teacher, Cheryl Leach, basically as a series of home videos the help of a million dollars in funding from her father-in-law today. Mm -hmm. I think it's around two and a half million dollars worth. But yeah, basically just started as a series of home videos uh, with a small team. They tried to sell them originally in some Toys R Us stores that struggled, but the producers began doing some, uh, you know, on the ground marketing, taking mm -hmm. Barney to preschools, sending him to <laughs> birthday parties. And that really helped sales just absolutely fly. Mm -hmm. By 1991, Barney was raking in more than $3 million in annual sales. That year, a TV executive whose daughter happened to see the videos and love the videos helped secure $2 million to produce 30 episodes on PBS for the next year. Mm, and that okay. just that opened the Barney floodgates. <laughs> that opened the Barney floodgates. It just exploded. All right. So early 90s Barney became a legend on TV. This character was everywhere. Give us some kind of idea about the growth that Barney experienced in those early 90s years. Yeah, it was really an explosion of growth. He was one of People Magazine's most intriguing people of 1992. <laughs> uh, by 1993, okay. Barney and Friends was really rivaling Sesame Street in terms of preschooler viewership. And Barney was on a float wow. at Bill Clinton's inaugural parade. <laughs> and yeah, just kind of went up and up from there, more or mm -hmm. less. In, in 1996, 97, the show attracted a peak viewership of over 2 million preschoolers. In 1998, retail sales of licensed Barney merchandise totaled 750 
million dollars wow. that fell to 550 million in 1999 but it's really not bad for a show that I was doing some digging and I found a September 1994 issue of the Television Business International oh, magazine wow. you which, really uh, got in there <laughs> yeah which reported that episodes back then cost around 105,000 to produce each a half no hour way. episode okay 105 <laughs> to produce more than a billion dollars in <laughs> merchandise sales adjusted for inflation. So not bad, right? Not bad at all. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, okay. in 2001, uh, UK-based Hit Entertainment acquired Lyric Studios, which was then Barney's distributor, for $275 million. And by then, Barney had sold 55 million videos, 68 million books, and 25 million plush toys. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that all sounds pretty good. But then here's where things get confusing for me. In 2010, Barney kind of just went away. He, he kind of quietly just disappeared from TV. There were still reruns every now and then, of course, after that. But he wasn't as prominent as he was before. It seemed like he was kind of sunsetted. What happened in 2009, 2010? Yes, a lot happened. You're right. Barney and friends kind of suddenly came to an end in, in 2010. Yeah. PBS never gave a real specific reason, but most people attribute this to a couple things, kind of the rise of a few competing children's shows, but also just a number of really bizarre controversies of all kinds, all shapes and sizes. There's a documentary that came out recently about this, yeah. but just to name a few, you know, there was a lot of Barney bashing back in the day. That's actually a oh, yeah. term that was kind of coined back in the day, mm -hmm. Barney bashing. Uh, at one point, someone created a I Hate Barney Secret Society and newsletter community. Uh, that's before <laughs> newsletters were cool. <laughs> uh, there was a fan fiction role-playing game and movement called The Jihad to Destroy Barney. Jesus. Yeah, there's a popular YouTube video with millions of views, someone made of Elmo literally sniping Barney as he sings his infamous I Love You, You Love Me song. Uh, that one's a little <laughs> cruel, but okay. It's a little cruel. But then there were also actual threats. The Barney and Friends cast and music directors got literally death threats. No way. Uh, from people. Some guys beat up a guy dressed up as a Barney in a Texas mall. The child actors on Barney were reportedly bullied all the time. So just, and frankly, over time, a lot of this content started getting just more attention than the show itself. That, and I think there were just other shows that kids and parents especially started liking more that were more interactive. Right. Dora, Blue's Clues. SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob. So uh, I think just all that together, wow. things didn't work out for Barney. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> And we should mention, too, that I think the actor who played Barney ended up being in, like, a tantric sex cult <laughs> later on, uh, which was an interesting twist to the story as well. It is. Uh, but, but anyway, so, okay, all, all this stuff went down uh, at Barney and Friends. Obviously, they, they had some issues to work through. Long story short, Mattel buys out Hit Entertainment for $680 million in 2011. Right after the time when Barney sort of quietly disappeared, Mattel takes over. They get the rights to Barney. Now it's like more than a decade later and Mattel is making a big push to bring him back from the dead. Mm -hmm. That seems kind of weird. Like, why did they sit on him for 10 years? Why <laughs> now? Why are they resurrecting Barney? Yeah, so presumably the toy maker wants to start leveraging more of its kind of original content and IP to drive sales because 
sales have slowed down a little bit. In 2022, Mattel's Q4 net sales dropped 22% to $1.4 billion. Yeah, it also posted a 93% year-over-year drop in net income, Mm. down from almost $226 million to about $16 million. Jeez, okay, that's big. (laughs) Yeah, it's big. And also, just yesterday, Hasbro projected that its revenue, too, will decline in 2023. So the toy giants are, are having a tough year. Okay. So they see this nostalgic character as maybe a chance to sort of jumpstart their sales again. They have this sort of low lift thing that already is established as an entity. Everybody knows who Barney is. And uh, it's sort of an untapped goldmine for them. Exactly. You have the people who might be nostalgic for Barney, who might be interested in coming back. Maybe they have kids now at this point. Uh And then you have just new generations and also new kind of media formats that they can try out with older characters. One, One interesting thing you wrote in your version of this story in the newsletter was there's kind of a parallel here with Lego. There's a precedent for resurrecting something, right? Yeah. What I think you're going to see more and more of are these companies pulling a move out of Lego's book, really. It's something they already do, but I think they're going to increasingly do. It's just moving into content to drive revenue as well as product sales. So when Lego's sales slumped in the early 2000s and the company kind of employed this same strategy to, to turn things around, they tried making new toys, theme parks, electronics. But the thing that really hit was when they launched this Bionicle series of action figures. And a lot of people might remember that for uh, the kind of cinematic universe they built around Bionicle, just comics, books, movies, Mm. uh, videos. And it was one of their best sellers in those years. And it really helped show Lego how they could leverage storytelling and media in a way that could drive sales of their products. And, you know, fast forward, they've continued doing that. And back in 2014, Lego's film, The Lego Movie, grossed $468 million at the box office. Mm -hmm. And so Mattel is going to really lean into this same strategy. They have a whole lineup of films coming out, a $100 million live-action Barbie movie in the works. They also have other films based on Hot Wheels, Magic 8-Ball, Uno, Man, I forget how many epic brands Mattel owns. They're just like, uh, they're all over the place. Yes. All right, so where do you see Barney fitting into this sort of master plan? Like, what do you think is going to become of this character in in his second go around? What do I think is going to become with Barney? Well, you know, I think that they have a lot of people's attention with this. The announcement itself really just popped off online. It did. did. And people who may, you know, were probably little toddlers when Barney was really popular back in the day uh, are seeing this announcement. I see people posting things like Mattel posted some pictures of the new animated Barney they're going to bring back. People were posting Mm -hmm. all funny things about how he looks like he got a nose job and (laughs) and, uh, some work done. And I think that they're really, uh, they found a way to tap into some of this nostalgia. You know, we just wrote about something similar with troll dolls. You know, back in the 60s, when these little dolls came out, they were a huge hit. And then 20, 30 years went by, and they had a second go around in the 90s where they were even a bigger hit than before. Mm. And they sold like four or five billion dollars worth of these toys. But when they came back in the 90s, 
all those kids from the 60s were raising kids of their own. So they got a double whammy. <laughs> they got sort of all the nostalgic parents from the 60s becoming interested in troll dolls again. And then they had this new generation of troll doll purchasers come up. All the parents who had bought them in the 60s were encouraging their kids to play with the same toy. Right. So I could easily see something similar here happening with Barney where all the kids who are sort of reared on Barney in the 90s <laughs> now have kids of their own. They have fond memories about Barney and watching it, and they would want to share it with their own kids. That's possible. Although, you know, I don't know about troll dolls, but I, I, I don't recall troll dolls ever having a jihad against them. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is true. Uh, <laughs> Barney's got some hills to climb for sure. He does. And uh, hopefully the the person in the suit this time isn't uh, involved with the tantric <laughs> sex cults. That yes, would help. One would hope. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. And our editor today was Robert Hartwig. Our executive producer, as always, was Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, you can go find that over at thehustle.co slash email. We'll catch you all next week. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne, Elliot, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.